We Need a National Divorce, an essay by Matt Ruby. That's me. Here's a recent tweet from Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. We need a national divorce. We need to separate by red states and blue states. Everyone I talk to says this. We are done. All right, and I'm here to say, actually, I, I can't even believe I'm going to say this sentence, but I kind of agree with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Maybe we do need a national divorce, or as Gwyneth Paltrow might say, a conscious uncoupling. Obviously, we just don't see things the same way. Everyone in Texas can't believe New Yorkers don't know how to shoot a gun. And everyone in New York can't believe Texans don't know how to be pedestrians. Here's a hint. Stop walking four people horizontally in a row while staring up at skyscrapers. Y'all are clogging up the sidewalks while we're trying to go full Ratso Slowman here. Hey! I'm walking here! I'm walking here! Also, us big city folks ain't typically churchgoers, so Team Red's attempted Christian government takeover feels rather mashugana. After all, we're not at synagogue plotting ways to force everyone in Wyoming to eat bagels and locks for breakfast. And think how it must feel to be Muslim and face that it's time for the good Muslims to speak up crap all the time. Especially after we saw those MAGA mooks go full megachurch on the Senate floor back on January 6th. Do you remember those guys who took over the Senate chamber? You know, the one dude in the Viking hat? Well, they were all shouting, Jesus Christ, we invoke your name. Amen. I mean, come on. They were basically radical Christian terrorists. But I bet you won't see anyone on an AR-15 forum on Reddit going around posting, it's up to the good Christians to speak out and anonymously tip off the police as to who the radicals are. If you're a good Christian, it's time to prove it. You're not going to see that. By the way, I'm not bashing Jesus. His OG messaging is solid, and I got to give it up. The dude built a great personal brand. But lately, I feel the same way about Jesus as I do about Taylor Swift. Love the artist. Scared to death of the superfans. Honestly, I'm not sure why we're still trying to keep our states united anyway. All things must pass, including empires. Just because a relationship ends doesn't mean it's a failure. Well, same thing with countries. I mean, we had our good times, didn't we, Tuscaloosa? So let's divvy up the goods and move on with our lives. It's not USA, it's me. In time, I hope Team Red vibes with someone new and finds a match out there somewhere. I mean, cue up Hungary's Viktor Orban singing Hungry Eyes. I do have one caveat to this whole divorce idea, though. The split isn't really between red states and blue states. The real divide in our country is between cities and rural areas. So this could get awfully confusing once we have to start airlifting abortion doctors into Milwaukee, Denver, and Austin like they're Berlin after World War II. But let's not let that get in the way of a solid premise. So how do we split things up? Here's what I propose for America's divorce settlement. Blue is what us coastal elites get, and red is what, quote-unquote, real America takes home. As Bill Simmons likes to say about potential NBA trades, think about it this way. Who says no? All right, here's my proposed divorce settlement for America. Team blue, abortions. Team red, assault rifles. 
Blues get rosé, reds get Jack Daniels. Blues get late night talk shows, reds get talk radio. Blues get e-bikes, reds get pickup trucks. Blues get Indian food, reds get Waffle House. That one might be a tough blow, but you gotta sacrifice somewhere. Blues get drag queens, reds get teen moms. Blues get cocoa butter, reds get chicken grease. Blues get books, reds get those strange flags that always have a snake or some weird thing on it. Blues get Juneteenth, reds get Kentucky Derby. Blues get software programmers, reds get coal mines. Blues get Priuses, reds get pontoon boats. Blues get NBA, reds get NASCAR. Blues get pronouns, reds get flag pits. Blues get Dunkin' Donuts, reds get Cracker Barrel. Blues get bars with axe throwing, reds get, well, actually using an axe. Blues get Big Buck Hunter Pro, reds get, well, actually hunting. Blues get Hollywood, reds get Nashville, that's easy. Blues get journalism, reds get gluten. Blues get defund the police, reds get defund the FBI. Blues get immigrants, reds get bikers. Blues get hippies wearing crystals, reds get rednecks doing crystal. And blues get democracy, and reds get authoritarianism. How about all that? Sounds pretty nice, right? Problem solved. Except, Houston, we have a problem. Also, uh, Chicago, we have a problem too. Uh, Brisket. Damn you, brisket. See, Texans love brisket, but you know who else loves brisket? Us Jews. So who gets that in the divorce settlement? Because they say don't mess with Texas, but when it comes to divorce lawyers, I'm taking the Jews, all right? They may have Smith & Wesson, but we've got Goldstein & Rabinowitz. They're a hell of a firm. And then there's Mexican food. Everyone's on board with that. Oh, and also Dolly Parton. I will always love her, but so will everyone in Oklahoma. And what about beards? Hipsters and lumberjacks, we're going to have to do shared custody of those. Oof, that got messy fast. All right, I'm calling the divorce off. Let's work it out and stick together. After all, it's eventually going to be 150 degrees here every day. And that's when we'll all need to team up and invade Canada. And now it's time to bring in our producer, who is also a resident of a southern state. So hello, Jeremiah McVeigh. <laughs> Hi. Uh, yes, very much a resident of maybe the most southern of states these days, or one of them. Um, I'm currently in Florida, where I've been for over half a year. Before that, I was in Texas for three years. I was born and lived in Texas and Louisiana for the first 18 years of my life. So... I definitely know what it is to be in the South. So what I'm going to say is more reaction to when people actually bring this up, because I realized that w- your essay is 
a work of satire. <laughs> and like, you know, you come down on like, we shouldn't actually do this. It makes no sense. But yeah, it, it is one of the most infuriating things when I hear people legitimately try to pose this as a solution to anything. Because I'm someone who really subscribes to the idea that we don't really have any true red states. We have repressed states. Uh, there are big blue voting blocks in nearly every every red state, and especially Florida and Texas. It's just that they've been away from the levers of power for so long that everything is kind of set against them. And communities that are underrepresented in, in our state governments, you know, I think they get the the shaft by that kind of thinking, they kind of get left out of the conversation and it's a shame. But yeah, like I said, that's more a response to people who actually make that kind of an argument in real life and not even so much Marjorie Taylor Greene. I expect nothing less from her or, or nothing more from her, I guess. Um, it's more like when people on the left suggest it, I'm like, what about us? The people who are on your side in these states, like what about us? What happens to us? Yeah, no, I, I certainly feel bad for people stuck within a, a state or an environment that is way out of whack with their views. Um, it's part of why, you know, I, I would be reluctant to move to somewhere like Austin, for example, just because, yeah, you might be in some bubble where you are. Uh, surrounded by like-minded folks, but you know, at the end of the day, you still got a, a governor who's trying to ban abortion and uh, things like that. And yeah, I think uh, at some point, uh, you know, I, the same way people who were upset in California were like, "I'm getting out of here and going to Austin or Miami or wherever." I, you know, the same could be said of people who are stuck in a state that they feel doesn't really represent uh, their views. Like uh, at some point, you know, I wonder if it's it's like gets to the point where you know. Is it time to leave and go somewhere else? But even that is kind of like an elitist perspective because a lot yeah, of it is. a lot yeah. of people just don't have that option, um, right? But I think you know to get to your point, I do think it's interesting. There's sort of like a danger sometimes in in some of these extremist views uh, actually becoming law, and I think you're seeing that with like abortion right now. So it's like mm -hmm. they were almost in a real the strongest position for all these you know pro life people was when uh, abortion was legal and they got to like you know, be on the outside looking in and throwing stones and using it to raise money and all this other stuff. And now it's the whole sort of uh, dog catches car scenario or whatever that phrase is of like, okay, they've got the Roe versus Wade overturned and now they're on the wrong side of an issue that the majority of Americans disagree with them on. And, right. you know, it's uh, as far as like national elections and, uh, you know, things like that, there it's going to be a, a, a albatross around them as they try to compete. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over time. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, like for better or for worse, you know, as they say in marriage, we're, we're stuck with each other. And, you know, I think, yeah. uh, I think it ties in with things we've talked about before, too, about how people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and many of our so-called leaders are incentivized just to never compromise, to never find middle ground, to stake extreme positions like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Their their districts are gerrymandered and their bigger concern is getting primaried by someone who's even wackier than they are, as opposed to trying to find middle ground. And, um, you know, I, I you know, it almost seems like a naive viewpoint now, but I go back to sort of in the 80s, like Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill would, you know, you know, fight in public, but then, you know, meet together in a back room and hammer out a deal and kind of find what what was the middle ground in order to, you know, actually govern and legislate and, and move the country forward. And that seems to be a, a lost art um, in our government today. So that's kind of sad. Yeah. 
I always wonder how apocryphal that story is, at least in terms of it being actually a solution to anything. Because, I mean, Reagan still undid a lot of good that we're still dealing with and reeling from today, you know? Um, so how how effective were those drinking sessions with Tip O'Neill or whatever the hell? Well, they didn't. Um, but, they didn't go down to like a debt ceiling crisis and the budget going over right. a cliff every single time. And it, like there there wasn't sure, these... They were much the more go- gover- there weren't government... Sh- <laughs> no, but there weren't government shutdowns. There was an actual like people in a room together like agreeing to be like, yeah, I'm not getting everything that I want here, but we need mm-hmm. to do something as opposed to the current sort of, you know, everyone being rewarded for being completely intractable in their views. I mean, even yeah. I, I think Joe Biden goes back to that old school sort of Senate collegiality or whatever that word is. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I think he almost gets mocked for it as being like some sort of dinosaur. And, you know, that right. that kind of saddens me on some level because like, yeah, if we're going to be a country like that is the United States, we are going to have to compromise. And the way we're like all, you know, the government seems incapable of doing that now is uh, just going to grow as a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess to me, it's it's less about can they find a way to compromise as can they just coexist, which seems like uh, untenable right now. You know, we don't really have parties that coexist. We have parties that just wait each other out, you know? Yeah, well, um, and it's, it's also about incentives. Like, all the incentives yeah. are for them to do that. It's how they fundraise. Right. Like, uh, anytime someone does something, you know, completely moronic or dumb or, you know, like, uh, gets attacked or indicted, like, all of a sudden it's a fundraising email that goes right. out. And so, like, they're profiting from it. So all the incentives are misaligned for, uh, you know, to actually make progress in any way. True. Yeah. I mean, but but bringing back to the topic of like national divorce and all, <laughs> I did I did like that the trade off for books were those weird flags with a snake on them. <laughs> I mean, uh, they look fun. You need to have, you know, your own flavor of flag you could pick from. I guess the immigrants and bikers one doesn't quite make sense to me, to be honest. Mm. Um, how are those two equivalents? Um, I know it's not got to be a one-to-one thing, but... Well, I mean, I think we get, like, sanctuary cities, and they get that Sturgis, you know, motorcycle rally. Okay, I see, but, I see. You know, uh, yeah. it's definitely one that's on the fence. I, I could see, if we had to, if we had to uh, give one up, I could see that being one to go. Right. And I, I would say, um, I don't know, Nashville might be a little more divided than you'd think it is from what i understand that's true i guess i was going for like country music versus hollywood movies and tv yeah but yeah Yeah. nashville uh yeah nashville is an interesting place not sure how 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 to read that town yeah i mean there's like a whole debate going on right now i think about uh the politics of country music but yeah there's a lot of uh singer songwriters in country music who who are a little more left than like the more poppy radio country people. Sure. You know, not everybody's Jason Aldean. Um, yeah. And not everyone's Sean Penn, but you know, like uh, yeah. I think we're painting with a broad brush here on a lot of these. Of course, of course, of course. 
Yeah. Hey, my job here is to pick apart, right? I hear you. So, I hear you. I do think it's interesting because we say Southern state, but also just go out to like Long Island or upstate New York and right. there's like Trump flags everywhere. And so that's why I, I always fall back into this. Like we have like kind of this false sense of where the divide is. Um, mm-hmm. But I, a buddy of mine moved to upstate New York and I remember asking him, him about it. And his biggest complaint was like, I can't get good bread. Like he literally learned how to bake bread because yeah. nowhere he went. And so I guess that would be sort of like, what do you do when you want Indian food? What do you, what do you do when you like, I guess I'm just so spoiled from living in a city for so long that I'm, it, it doesn't occur to me, like from a food perspective, how you're, you're, you might just wind up not having any options. Right. If in, in the rural urban divide, you're saying. Yeah. Or yeah. Or, but like, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm labeling, labeling that as red territories in general. Well, I think you'd be surprised by how many immigrants from other countries bring their cultures and their their cuisines um, to southern states. There's a lot, um, actually. There's a lot of Indian food, a lot of Vietnamese food and Chinese food and obviously Mexican food. Um, And all these all these rednecks are going and getting Vietnamese food. This is I didn't know about this. I mean, there must be enough of them that uh, they're staying in business. I mean, I remember when when I was growing up in Louisiana and people would talk about like there were a a lot of uh, Vietnamese people around. And I remember someone explaining it to me that it was because the climate was very similar. So they felt comfortable there. Hmm. And when you're in a place that has similar climate to the place that you come from, a lot of your cuisine is going to make sense there too. Like, I mean, rice is a huge thing for both uh, a lot of Asian countries and for Louisiana. Um, you know, so it's a, there, there's a lot more crossover, I think, than people realize sometimes is, I guess, my point. Hmm. You know? All right. Good to know. And now for some quickies. It's weird that we give two weeks notice at work, but not in relationships. Kind of feels like it should be the opposite. You should ghost your job. And after a breakup, you should stick around for a while. You know, train the new guy. I don't understand bad book reviews. Just stop reading the book. No one should torture themselves for hours upon hours just to write a smarmy pan. There should be a biography on Phil Collins' first band, and it should be called The Book of Genesis. You can subscribe to or follow this show just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or anywhere else that allows you to do that. And when I say that, I mean, like, leave it a good review. I feel like that's obvious. But if, you, if you're just going to leave it a bad review, you, you don't have to. Anyway, it helps others find the show, which I really appreciate. Uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at mattruby at hey.com. That's mattruby at H-E-Y dot com. And if you like this podcast, you should subscribe to the Rubes Letter, where what you just heard first appeared. You can find that at mattrubycomedy.com slash subscribe. And while you're at mattrubycomedy.com, you can also find links to my Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok, where I post clips of my stand-up and other stuff, too. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it.
This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media. 